0: So, Melissa, how was your week, Ben?
1: Good. I mean, we were on vacation last week, so it wasn't that good, but it was still good.
0: You got to come back and readjust. Uh, Yeah,
1: it was that week. So lots of emails.
0: So many emails. They're always waiting for you when you come back.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should just delete them and be like, (laughs) something computer internet (laughs) happened. I think this is a great
0: idea. (laughs) I mean, you've got my support.
1: Yeah, well, that's all I need. So I'm sure my boss will be fine. I'll be like, I, but I got a health point.
0: Yeah. Have you not Have you not listened to his show? <laughs> <laughs> He's a life coach. <laughs> you speak any other languages, Melissa?
1: No. Cool. I speak, yeah, totally <laughs> cool. I speak a little bit of French that I just used to like order food. Ooh. And when I was in, I used to go to Paris more often for work. Really? so it would be helpful yeah we had there's like a bunch of international air shows like in paris and london and seoul so we used to go to all of those was paris your favorite or would you prefer london or seoul um I liked all of them they're all very different but i like i like paris a lot it was probably my favorite place to go
2: do you say international air shows
1: yeah like, there's like a seoul air show uh the one in london is called farmborough air show
2: This is so like people doing pilot, like pilots doing tricks and stuff or? Oh,
1: no, no. Well, I mean, I think they do, they usually have like a public day at the end, which usually has some of that. We never, we never stayed for that because like the first few days are like business. So it's mostly manned aviation, like your Boeings and, you know, Embraers and all sorts of those folks. But then there's also there would always be like small unmanned pavilions or whatever that like we would organize or, or just exhibit at to meet more people. Yes. We don't do that much anymore though. So, I mean, obviously we, I haven't traveled in a year and a half. So I feel like other countries are more on lockdown than we are even that Mm -hmm. it would be really hard to do that unless it's like the olympics i guess and then you have to push forward but (laughs) other things are like we'll (laughs) we'll just wait a minute
0: (laughs) (laughs) they do really feel like they have to push forward on those olympics
1: i kept being like they're gonna cancel it right they're gonna cancel it right and like here we are and they didn't cancel it i'm like oh okay this could go okay
2: probably not a great idea I feel like probably they made everyone get vaccinated. I don't know. Which at least helps, like if all the people coming in are vaccinated. I hope that's what they're doing.
1: I don't know because like Japan has really struggled with getting people vaccinated. So they don't have a very high vaccination rate. I can't imagine that they would be like, no, you better be vaccinated. Oh yeah. None of our, none of our people are sorry. Like, I don't know. That would be <laughs> oh, weird. That'd be like a weird stance.
2: Yeah. The bit of me saying it's for the however many hundred athletes every country sends, right? Yeah. we vaccinate those people, and then I feel like they're not letting people into the stadiums or anything. So
1: no, you can't get like, now they're not even letting like Japanese residents in. It's just like
2: yeah.
1: you're performing to nothing to Empty no one. Two
2: stadiums. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just like your teammates or whatever. And everyone, like all the, just the athletes.
2: It's going to be, I mean, it will be historic, right? I feel like this yeah. will be up there with the kind of like Jesse Owens, like Hitler mm. kind of moment as mm. a like, I don't know, showing this, the sign of the times or something like that.
1: Yeah. Do you yeah. think
2: World War Three is right around the corner?
1: <laughs> <laughs> always, always.
2: We did have something based
0: on those really messed up about the Olympics, right? Aren't there uh, African athletes who are not being allowed to, African women athletes who are not being allowed to compete
1: Just because their natural levels of testosterone are higher and they vary in female assigned at birth people wildly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: It's insane.
1: I think it's insane too. I think it's still, I just think the whole thing is, well, and there's all that like uh, controversy with uh, Simone Biles because she did some move off the vault that was like so far above everyone else's that they're like, well, we can't score it. Like it really should be scored because then it wouldn't be fair to anybody else. And I was like, (laughs) did you like make Michael Phelps like, not compete because he has longer arms than everybody and that would be unfair like athletics is unfair that's the whole point of it it's unfair competition
0: is unfair yeah i
1: don't yeah like yeah some people have natural advantages that's probably the why they got into the sport they got into
2: yeah i thought that was the whole point of the olympics was to figure out who who those people were and like right um i don't know
1: yeah my favorite thing about the i heard somebody tweeted one time about the olympics that like In every competition, there should be, like, one normal person competing (laughs) just for, like, reference so you can tell, like, (laughs) see how good these people really are because there's, like, one person, like, struggling through the balance beam routine, you know? Like I would, do that, job. Off all I would the time.
0: do that job in a heartbeat. That <laughs> would be should,
3: so cool.
2: They should make it the same person who does it for all of the <laughs> events. And by the end, they're just so fucking worn out. Exhausted. As like, <laughs>
1: like <laughs> you have to go down this speed <laughs> jump ramp. You have to do it. And they're like, oh, God, yeah. no. And they're like crying. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> by the end, they have like three broken limbs. And they're just like limping. So now anytime
1: I see like a clip, I'm just like imagining a normal doing it. And I'm like, this is so funny. <laughs>
0: Well, welcome everybody to Pempem Pals. Uh I'm Alex and with me as always are Hey, this is
2: Brian. Hey, this is Ben.
0: Uh and we're here with a returning guest from last season. Super to ha- happy to have you back on. Uh, Melissa. Hi. Oh my gosh, our resident uh, robotics expert is here to weigh oh. in on a new kind of robot.
4: Oh, yeah, this episode has robot testing again. Yeah. Doesn't it?
0: Yeah. It's all like we planned it, <laughs> Brian. You just posted an image. Is that something where you want to point oh, out now? Oh no, no, no,
4: no! This is um, I'm going to post a few during the watch party. It's just some stuff I want us to be aware of as we're doing the watch party.
0: Okay. Um, but while you're getting that together, let me just check in with. So, Melissa, have you seen the show before?
1: Yes, I have seen the whole the whole series, the
0: whole enchilada. Okay, cool. And do you have any? In, did you have an initial take? Did you enjoy it? Uh, were there any themes that really stuck out to you?
1: Overall, I really, I did really enjoy it. I like fantasy, sci-fi, so this is kind of like you know set in the future or just another world that's very mm-hmm. like sci-fi heavy. So I, I really liked that. But I also liked how that was the backdrop, but like the real focus of the story is on the relationships, of course. So I like that too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. I always like a, a well-made world that like a human narrative comes out of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: So so this might be a question for, for Brian, but we've talked in the show about this concept of like isekai, which is like kind of like this foreign world. Mm. Does this qualify as that? Or is isekai specifically when you take someone from our world and you put them into this foreign world yeah this would not fall into the isekai genre
0: but it's interesting that you bring that up because although it's not someone a quote-unquote normal person being thrust into this fantasy world uh there is something strange about our protagonists and our uh Mm -hmm. our ensemble already right like they're children but it seems like and brian was pointing some of this out in the first episode that it seems like there's some stuff they don't know that you would assume they would know. <laughs> yeah. So they may not be in a quote unquote fantasy world, but they're definitely in a world that they do not fully comprehend.
2: <laughs> there's a, there's a little bit of a Ray vibe going on. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yes. Have yeah. we did I talk about zero two?
2: I don't think we
4: have.
0: So I think zero two is a combination of Ray and Asuka um, from Neon Genesis.
2: Who, who's Zero Two?
0: Daddy. Oh, Zero Two is the pink-haired, the uh, Oni horn. Okay. The devil.
2: The
4: pilot killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: She embodies a bunch of traits from, and we'll learn more about this, like she embodies a bunch of traits from Rey and a bunch of traits from Asuka, and then it's all like wrapped up in this uh, Invader Girl Lum package. So I think she's like this synthesis character who's definitely influenced by what has come before her. Uh, really, really dig her.
2: I I was getting more of the Ray vibes from Hero and kind of like his weird is the way he was wandering around in the world, but
0: (laughs) yeah, man, he's cool too. He's just so much of a, like, he's, you know, he's named Hero. So he's a little bland, especially right now. And so... (sighs) When I first watched uh, Neon Genesis, not a big fan of Shinji. Now, big fan of Shinji. Maybe I'll like Hero more yeah. this time.
2: Turner, what was that show that had the. It was like one Japanese character named Hero. It's like a live action. Um... Oh,
1: yeah. It was like kind of time travel yeah,
2: yeah, I have no there's idea. There's like the invincible
1: yes. super
2: heroes. Heroes. Right? Oh, it's heroes. I think
3: it's called heroes. Yeah, oh, there's a God.
0: cheerleader right here. Oh. Die. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, I, I
2: guess I was just wondering. I wonder what the first thing that uses like hero. Like, a has a protagonist called Hero for that kind of wordplay was.
0: One of my favorite books, Snow Crash, the main character of the book is named Hiroaki Protagonist. <laughs> oh,
2: answer. man.
4: I wonder if uh Christopher Nolan read that. His Tenet movie is the main character's name is Protagonist. Is
2: it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Proto> man.
4: <laughs> oh, oh,
0: that Nolan. He's so clever.
4: Good old Chris.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do we want to go into the watch? Do you have stuff to lead us through beforehand, Brian?
4: Well, for anybody who's new to the pod or new to Darling in the Franks, I feel pretty confident we're going to talk a lot about sex and sexuality today. Uh, Probably actually every episode from here on out. (laughs) What what have you guys gotten me into? (laughs)
0: An orgy. (laughs) (laughs) We want to open up the podcast uh, so that we can, you know, have relations with more guests.
4: <laughs> but I, I'm also confident we'll have plenty of new material to talk about for each episode as well. Because, you know, it's a complicated issue. I'm sure there's more than one or two things to be said about the matter.
3: Mm. Nah. <laughs> I think we can
1: get it done with this one. Just That's be done. Yeah. We'll get it figured through. it out. Yeah, we'll have it all, all sorted.
4: <laughs> all right. That, that'll be our new goal. We're going to sort out human sexuality in the next hour here.
1: One podcast. All
4: right. Uh, I've queued mine up to the first frame after the studio logo.
2: It's like uh, cranes? Yes. Cool. I am there. All right. We ready? Mm -hmm. Three, two, one, play.
4: A lot of complaints about these weird aspect ratio things but I think it looks really cool. We'd never heard of. Love the way these the slow moving shots are framed.
0: Yeah, a lot of tricks they learned back at Gynax after the attack. To have like the a still framed to have a little bit of off, movement so it, no one complains about it. <gasps>
4: yep, our first
2: opening uh music. Hey, you you learned the song Alex, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually was listening on my way home, and I was like, oh, I do like this song. I am going to love
2: it. I've, I I missed the, the last time on, too. I think we should re- revive that bit if you're up for oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah.
4: That's how we should kick right. off our, our talk. So I'm sure none of this, the background images, mean anything to you, Ben. But like to me, I'm shocked at how many of these frames that they give us just in the opening song. Yeah.
1: Like from later in the anime?
4: Yeah, there's some that are actual stills from the anime, and there's some that are just in reference to some things that happened in the show. I was like, oh my god, they're dropping that?
0: And which is another thing that I don't know if it predates it, but we saw a lot of in uh, Neon Genesis. That whole opening is like, hey, this is what everything is, but you (laughs) don't understand it yet. You're like, cool.
2: Thank you. I was just gonna say the thing that really surprises me that at least I didn't notice in the first episode is like the humanoid faces on the mm. on the mechs, and I don't know if oh. I've ever really seen that in another anime. Big fan.
0: Oh, Futoshi! You were able mm. to fight that He's always or... eating in the background. Mm-hmm. What was
3: it like?
4: honestly I don't that is one thing i noticed honest. about this episode um Only. there's a lot of money Only going thoughts. into this production Let's like see. most animes well, way, anything in the I'm background is going to be a still frame but man they pressure. have so much motion uh, why did they like that. There's a lot of motion. <laughs> 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 a lot of jiggling, <laughs> unnecessary
0: <laughs> jiggling, one might say.
1: We gotta make them so tight like how the to fit in those pranks Gotta get real tight underwear. But no, yeah. no yeah. training to prepare the young <laughs> like for this sensation. This
4: is how women are in the locker room, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly...
1: Yeah. Can't so, confirm. <laughs> exactly. We're always <laughs> tickling each other. Totally
2: so, Brian, is that not fan service? Was that? Uh, uh, important Personal. plot, uh, we'll character development. We'll get there. We'll like I get one with <laughs> what?
1: The women's suits look super amazing. uncomfortable. They have to be mm-hmm. like painted on, and then like eyes this eyes weird eyes. spine thing. I guess you? I don't know. You? Must be really
0: mm-hmm. It looks very uncomfortable. It seems like a confrontational choice. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, we're going to talk about sexy robots a little bit <laughs> once we uh, get this but conversation all going. On the
3: field I hope so. Will be made by
4: the
1: lead, Franks, Big fan. Mm-hmm.
2: Ooh, look at that sexy green robot.
1: <laughs> and then there's a very Harley Quinn one.
4: Yeah. Now, we'll begin the drill. Uh, this also be looks first like... One in a real I
1: don't know which
0: one came so first, but uh, also looks like Spinel and so
4: from Steven uh, Universe. Oh connected. yeah. I would say Steven Universe came first. This was 2018,
0: right? Yeah, but but Steven the oh, spinel was this. like it's only it's ar- only got introduced in the movie. And I don't know to when
4: that oh. came out. Their
0: no. will
2: Wait, so Fra- Frank's is 2018? Yeah. No, I didn't realize oh, that.
0: it's very recent.
4: That's why I've never
2: oh, heard oh, of it.
0: I, I didn't
4: realize yeah. it was so new. And 2018 was such a good year for anime.
3: We're
2: awful. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was the whole episode. Yeah, right. That went by really fast. Yeah, love it.
4: Then stick around for the uh, ending credits. There's no Easter egg, but it's just a. This is the first time we're getting a closing yeah. credits.
0: Oh, I love especially this sequence. They change up the ending sequence as we go on, but I love this sequence of them wearing. I guess, like, modern school girl clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's really cool uh, that there's a focus on them, that it's humanizing, that...
2: There's some stuff that reminds me a little bit of serial experiments laying in this, mm. some of the aesthetics. So I don't know if I mentioned
4: this, uh, and we don't have to have this for the show, but out of curiosity, I was trying to see how many people um, worked on Darling in the Franks that were also involved in uh, Evangelion and some capacity uh so i get on uh, my an- anime news network and was just was starting to just go through each name one at a time clicking on them to see what projects they did and it was something like 38 names before i finally gave up i just got the impression that oh wow this really was a reunion like just the people who were doing like audio editing like they brought the whole crew back together again it must have been it must have been fun you know
0: when nishigori said he wanted to work with uh his people again he really yeah. it. But like everybody brian do you want to start us off lead us through here you're like our resident expert on franks <laughs>
4: okay so we are here to talk about episode two of darling in the franks what it means to connect my own personal subtitle for this is a series of experiences of being judged a lot of this episode reminds me of middle school somehow
0: uh and people grasping at concepts that they like heard in passing or don't remember quite well. There's a lot of middle school in there, Mm -hmm. right?
4: Uh, So this episode starts off right after the end of episode one. Episode one was the uh, welcoming ceremony, which got interrupted with the Klaxosaur attack. And here we're just picking right up. We're doing the ceremony, but this time without all the fanfare, Ape and Papa are not there. There's no big stadium and crowd. It's just the essential crew at the loading docks. There's just something so non-glamorous about a loading dock.
0: That's where the real work gets done. (laughs) Yeah.
4: But nevertheless, Mm -hmm. um, our animation crew still continues to astound me. Just this, like, sort of mundane uh, exercise that it's been reduced to is just so beautifully animated, and, uh, like, things are just framed so well. Mm -hmm. The one little tidbit we get is that uh, Ichigo seems to just be really fixated on uh hero as she's like watching hero through the scope or whatever in her Mac and <laughs> just really zooming in on him. She's like, how's this kid doing? I don't know. I don't know how to take that.
2: That, that a little bit evokes like the Shinji looking at Ray through the, mm. the scope from Evangelion a little bit. Right. Oh,
0: that makes sense. So like we are getting a ton of repetition from earlier series, but we're getting a lot of toss ups, right? Like, Whereas it was the main character looking at someone else in uh, uh, Ava, now we have one of the ensemble players looking at one of the main characters.
4: So for uh, those of us participating in the podcast, um, you can sort of click along to the images I've shared in the chat, but uh, the first one is just called Hero. We have a
0: guided tour, this is so cool. Sure, what was so striking about this first one to you?
4: Well, just like we saw in episode one, uh, specifically what I'm thinking of uh, is the Naomi and Hiro scene on the, uh, uh, the platform when Naomi was leaving. Uh, you can just give us one shot to establish like this symbolic social distance, but they gave us so many like through the course of their conversation, and they were all really well done. And just mm. this funny little thing of Ichigo watching Hiro... Like, you can establish that just with one still frame, but they animated it. (laughs) Uh, These are moving shots. And like, again, just aesthetically, the composition, it's so well done. Uh, there's like a golden rule in art about like the sort of chessboard layers of contrast
2: and man, they nail it. If, if I can evoke the, the one film class I ever took, I feel like they would say, um, you know, there's this like yellow line that we see in between the two of them. And that might be a thing of saying, you know, there's something separating them. There's some barrier there. And that's kind of like the visual version of it. Maybe. Mm-hmm
3: yeah
4: not to jump too far ahead but we see that exact same image when zero two and nana are in the elevator leaving the breakfast scene so not to dwell on this too much we get our very first uh, opening credit thing uh with our Our theme song, Kiss of Death. Which I'm going to learn. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) there's not too much to say about this. It's kind of typical of a lot of anime. We get a lot of frames of like the shape of things to come. Uh, What did impress me is that they do render original images that reference things that are going to happen later in the series. Whereas a typical anime would just uh, do screen grabs from later on in the show. Mm. I shared, that's the second image mirror in the chat. This won't mean anything to you, Ben, but there is a shattered mirror with an eye reflected in it in a pool of blood.
2: And and this is like a frame from the theme?
4: Yeah, it's a screenshot I grabbed from the opening sequence. But again, it's, it's an original rendered piece of art and just a little trivia here for us um the song is performed by a pop singer by the name of miki mika not oh my god why do i fuck this up so much nakashima mika mika nakashima Uh, but it's written by uh, the rock producer-performer Hyde. If anyone is a J-pop fan, Hyde, of course, is the frontman of Larkin Seal. Uh, so to me, this felt like another doubling down of the theme of uh, duality, right? Originally, the uh, reunion between Studio A1 slash Cloverworks and Trigger, two very different styles coming together. Uh, the mm-hmm. director's theme of wanting to combine shoujo and shonen styles coming together. And now here we have this very feminine pop singer performing a song written by this so- super masculine <laughs> rock producer. And it's a pretty catchy tune.
0: Absolutely. Uh there's a lot of tonal shift in it. It's my heart bones in the yeah. ways.
4: Uh and this is actually the only award Darling and the Franks got at the Crunchyroll Anime Awards is the best opening theme. Boycott awards. Yeah. As we start our story just after uh the opening credits. Again, just really beautiful framing. We're mixing a little bit of character dynamics with a little bit of ambience. A hero has taken the time to go out and find the bird and he buries Mm. it and puts a little flower on its grave. This just tells us who he is. We mentioned it before, like the hero, the leader character is usually the most boring character in a show. You know, it's like the anti-hero, you know, the person who has a big turnaround is the most interesting. But Mm -hmm. right off the bat, I've just fallen in love with hero. Like that's who I want to be friends with.
0: So far, all I've seen him do is fail twice and then not remember succeeding once. So <laughs> I know where this is going, but I'm still not sold on here. All uh, right, well. Yeah,
2: I think there's this problem where it's like often you want the, the main character to be a little bit of a blank slate so that people can like project themselves onto them, But then mm. usually like the characters that people actually like are, like you said, like the ones that are the more Kind of like unique and and kind of yeah I don't know what the word is more individual more or like specific right? yeah mm-hmm. so we uh, we contrast this scene
4: with checking in on Ichigo right so Hero is burying a dead bird and Ichigo is on the steps playing with a little kitten and she is saying meow meow
3: meow <laughs> meow
4: <laughs> aren't you a little cutie
0: <laughs> is that how you play with cats
4: that's not how I play with cats but when I see Ichigo playing with this cat, this seems like a really little kid. So, Ben,
2: how old do you think Ichigo is? Uh, I'm going to say 15. Okay. I feel like that, like, meow, meow is, like, I feel like that's sort of, like, a meme. Like, there's this, like, cat girl, maid, like, nyan, Mm -hmm. nyan. Like, like if you go to a maid cafe, I think one of the phrases that they say is they, like, make this, like, nyan, cat,
4: meow Mm -hmm. thing.
2: Oh, So that's
4: maybe something that I can imagine Miku goofing around with just based on the one episode we've seen so far. But what I saw of Ichigo in episode one is like, she's kind of a stick in the mud, you know, (laughs) like just all business and uh, pretty quick to uh, get bent out of shape about stuff.
1: Oh, but I thought that this scene was maybe showing us that like, she's just a normal kid. But like, since they made her the leader or whatever, she feels like she has to like be so serious and be straight-laced mm-hmm. and keep everyone else in line but like when she's by herself mm-hmm. she's just like meow meow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: that's awesome well Melissa I'm glad you said what you did and that is exactly why I included the last frame out of those four cuz it only happens oh. for a single second it was so hard to get this screen grab but she's <gasps> like scolding hero uh for wandering off when there's important stuff going on and she right pauses and she you know is like grimacing with her eyes closed and for a second she opens one eye to scan him and blushes it just is like happens mm. for one second mm. anyway i don't know what that means but uh it happened
0: okay all right so we're likening her to a uh, a cat shop gal no wait what is it <laughs> it's a maid at a a maid cafe? Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a thing that's like a cute. It's like a way you can like act cute, is by being like, oh man. Like the, the bunny like, thing I, too. You
0: guys taught me right? Pion is like to affect cuteness at the end of a sentence.
2: Yeah, I think it's similar to that. Yeah. Okay. If you're familiar with that meme, Nyan Cat, that literally translates to meow cat. You know the toaster cat with the rainbow? Oh yeah.
0: Oh, is that what that is? Uh, Ben, do you want to give us
2: a few bars? Because there's a
4: song that goes with that. I I don't remember it (laughs) anymore. Is there a song that
3: goes with
4: it? (laughs) See, now Ben is blushing just like Ichigo. (laughs) Meow, meow, (laughs) meow, (laughs) meow, (laughs) meow, (laughs) meow, (laughs) meow, (laughs) meow, 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 meow. Is that the one you're thinking
2: of? I think that, yeah. It sounds better in 8-bit. Oh, I'm sure. Q Q audio Q. Yeah. (laughs) So
4: just some other interesting stuff that happens in the scene. We learn that Naomi is still alive, that she survived the disaster and was taken to the hospital.
2: And and who is Naomi again, as a reminder? She was Hero's original partner. That's right. So she was the one who she like failed and they were taking her away and the ship got attacked by the Klaxis. Even though they both were washouts... Hiro was was invited
4: to stay, but she was not given that invitation.
0: Someone paying the price for someone else's failure. I see a theme emerging.
4: Anyway, just my little thought about this, like burying a bird versus playing with a cat is that these two characters are just not in the same place. They're not on the same wavelength and they're not going to connect. And then just that little peek that Ichigo does at Hiro made me feel like, oh, she's kind of into him, but I don't think that's going to work. And we're going to get in some good stuff here now.
0: Yeah. Take us to the good stuff, Brian.
4: (laughs) Squad 13 is having breakfast and Zero Two is there pouring honey all over everything, including what looks like maybe a ham steak that she eats in one bite.
0: Amazing. Honey on meat, honey on rolls, honey on human beings. (laughs)
4: Yeah. So we sort of get introduced to more of Squad 13 here. The first time we saw them, all we saw was their feet as they were gossiping, which was uh, a subtle way to inform some things about these characters. But uh, in this breakfast scene, it seems like something from either Ingmar Bergman or when Woody Allen was trying to steal Bergman's style. Uh, Just these meal scenes where the camera goes around and you see little glimpses of each character and their personality.
2: I I did like the thing of them just giving us the, like, the subtitles of everyone's names, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought that that was, like, useful and just, like, a kind of, yeah, it was just, like, a good way of doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And showing us very specifically that they have code numbers too, right?
4: So Ben, since this is your first time seeing it, I'll pick on you a little bit. What are your
2: impressions (laughs) of these characters? I mean, they're they're like too many. So (laughs) I don't really know. Is there one that seems
4: like kind of a big, huge asshole to you?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So Zoro (laughs) May is definitely a jerk. I'm trying to remember if in this scene, he did something that really made him a jerk. That didn't really come out to me until they were like, you know, the, scene where he kicks the ball at at hero i'm sure they were queuing it up in this one i just missed it
0: yeah he offers to
2: pilot streletzia with uh
0: zero two Mm
2: -hmm. yeah he does the old
0: why don't you get with a real man (laughs) yeah
2: kick some sand on uh on hero at the beach
0: bold move for someone who's easily like six inches shorter than
4: hero I'll just walk us through a few of the uh, snapshots here. Goro, the blonde guy with the glasses, uh, he's just a real upbeat guy, probably someone real easy to have breakfast with. Uh, Futoshi is psyched about having a big breakfast feast. Uh, and then there's this guy, Mitsuru, who has really immaculate hair, and he is just not giving any fucks about anything happening in this room. <laughs> uh, then there's this sweet girl with sort of wavy hair who says something nice about Zero Two. He's like, well, she sure likes sweet things. Uh, Miku is just like, uh, fuck that chick. <laughs> like she, yeah. Not excited about her. Like, why is she even in here? She's got nothing but complaints and criticisms. Uh, Ikuno is sort of fixated on uh, information. She wants to know, is it really true that she has Claxosaur blood? What does it mean that she has a single digit code? Mm. Uh, Ichigo, uh, our leader, she just wants to shut all of this talk down. He's like, hey, she's our savior. Let's just drop it.
0: All business. Mm -hmm. zero pleasure yeah
4: if you follow along in the images and shared there's one called uh yeah zero two and hero and uh zero two makes herself real comfortable with hero uh you know proximity is sometimes a measure of intimacy and she gets in real close proximity with this person that she met yesterday yes it's awesome and You know, like, by itself, you can't really say that it's, like, explicitly sexual. But, like, the way she runs her finger up his neck and then across his chin line, holy shit.
0: Yeah, she does this, like, almost finger guns. It's very provocative.
4: Yeah, like, this is not middle school (laughs) flirting, man. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't even high school flirting.
2: But but it's very much, I mean, I feel like often part of the, the manic pixie dream girl thing is the submissive dude and the, the woman that just kind of like takes control and just does everything. And I feel like this is very much playing into that fantasy, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something about it feels different to me though. I mean, I've seen a lot of manic pixie dream girl shit. I'm just looking at this scene. I'm looking at Hero. I'm like, he's done, man. He doesn't <laughs> have a chance. Like she knows what she's doing, mm. you know? Like a lot of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl stuff is like reckless and frivolous. That's not the vibe
2: I get from her.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> That's not the, <laughs> the well, I vibe mean, you get
4: from, from Zero Z- Two. Is no, not no, no, no. Like
2: this scene. Well, yeah, it's, it's more like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is just like the guy happens to be there, whereas this mm-hmm. feels more like targeted or predatory or something or something. <laughs> You
4: know, heroes fixated on this piloting thing, maybe because, like, he's going to die because he doesn't <laughs> pilot soon. But uh, he, he asks her and uh, she confirms, like, Did I actually manage to pilot
0: that Franks? <laughs> you
3: sure did. And you were great, darling. D- darling?
4: Which, again, this feels a little bit like, uh, what are we talking about? Are we talking about piloting or are we talking about sex? Yeah. Uh, or is that one and the same for her?
0: Yeah. Have you ever piloted a plane?
4: <laughs> I did, and it was great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway,
4: um, Zoro May has another loud mouth scene here again. Nana interrupts the scene. We get a little bit more information. We don't really know what this means yet, but Nana reveals that she was uh, the caretaker for Squad Thirteen while they were in. The garden, which we might assume was the orphanage they came from, how mm-hmm. she is coming to uh, this plantation to be their con- caretaker here, which is not the norm,
0: right? And she's the one she escorted Franks, right? So we're getting like little bits and pieces of that. Franks might be
4: doing some mm-hmm. stuff. Here. What's going on mm-hmm. there? And and... Who's
2: Franks? Oh, the doctor. He's the face yeah. guy. Yeah,
0: okay. He looks like Doctor Wiley, but with yeah, metal face. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and was she the one who he squeezed her butt in the first he did okay very inappropriate no that was uh sorry nana
0: yes which nana means something in japanese right probably i'm not sure isn't it eight or seven? Oh maybe? yeah oh. yeah it
2: is yeah yeah that's right okay but i was thinking it was more like nana because then we have papa
1: that's what i was thinking too
0: yeah i think they're playing with that um that it means both you know they love their wordplay. they find something that means something in japanese and english and they're like how do we make both definitions Mm. work for the same character for sure synthesis baby
4: i actually want to look that up because all the words have more than one meaning like ichigo ichi is one go is five Mm. but it also means strawberry which is like she has like a lot of strawberries on her stuff that you'll see later so it's like her nickname is
2: strawberry i think there's a meaning too that would be like first child or first girl.
0: Wow. So like coding her language wise as the leader already.
3: Mm. Hmm.
4: Anyway, again, we get a quick shot. You know, Nana's making her announcement in Zoro May leans in and he's just like staring at Nana's boobs. Uh, so he's into this woman. Anyway, uh, he breaks that scene when he gets uh, really upset at the idea that Papa has any opinion at all about hero and that mm. there's going to be orders coming from Papa concerning hero. So mm. maybe he wants Papa's attention. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think so is into patriarchy, which loses him some points for me.
4: So another little thing that happens, I don't know what it means, but Nana escorts Zero Two out of the breakfast area, which is illuminated by bright daylight outside. And they go to this elevator shaft and uh, Zero Two is getting lectured. And as the windows open up, uh, we see a nighttime cityscape. Uh, and it's very reminiscent of like some imagery from Ian Genesis Evangelion. The types of buildings are almost exactly like Tokyo 3, but the lighting effect is something that we've seen inside the underground bunker,
2: Mm.
4: Uh, specifically like these like orange tones. And the
2: kind of like silhouettes on an elevator, that was like another thing we would see in uh, Evangelion a lot. Oh, gosh.
4: Yeah, there was a lot of uh, elevator scene conversations in Evangelion as well.
0: So many elevators.
4: But at any rate, like, I just assumed that Zero Two was sitting at the wrong breakfast table or whatever. But the way the conversation goes, uh, Nana like, was suggesting that Zero Two should not have any contact with Squad 13. And she says they, they're not ready for someone like you. So she doesn't want Zero Two socializing with them. That's weird.
0: That's very weird. Yeah. Can I ask, has anyone had a job where a lot of it happens in an elevator? Uh, okay sorry non-secondary
4: no. sorry go ahead all right so um what jobs do we get the impression that that <laughs> nana knows zero two <laughs> like she grew up with squad 13 or was, was their caretaker at least mm-hmm. but do we have this sense that nana also already has some kind of relationship with zero two
3: yeah
2: yeah it feels like she at least knows more about zero two than than everyone else does
1: telling her what to do which is
0: telling Zero Two what to do a mistake. because She does not listen.
1: I mean, she's going along with it here. She's like, oh, you shouldn't be in this. You shouldn't be eating here. And she's like, okay. <laughs> That's lame. I mean, kind of like a very nonchalant attitude about like, I'll listen to you because I feel like it. But like, she still does it.
4: two Two's so cool. So nonchalant. So we got a little bit more trivia and... Uh, The research reveals something, I'm not sure what it reveals exactly, but uh, we go to this scene where Ape Central HQ, these people in these, like, white uh, futuristic Pope outfits or something, or maybe they're robots, I don't know what the heck these people are, but they're talking about... They have
0: animal faces, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. They're talking about, they're talking about Hero, um, how he's, like, tainted, and they didn't want him with Zero Two, like... Uh, So these guys, they've got some pretty big opinions about Hero and Zero Two. One little funny thing, it's like um, Zero Two being there was her idea. And that Dr. Franks is just indulging her. At least maybe that's what Franks told them, but that's the impression they have.
3: Yeah,
0: he definitely Mm -hmm. has a relationship with her. Like when she runs away in the other scene, I think nana and the guards are surprised and he's like oh yeah that happens yeah
4: okay so after we get the subtitle that this council talking is ape central hq it also tells us that these specific people make up the lamarck club and i'd missed that on my several viewings of the show and i had to look up what the fuck is lamarck
0: yeah what's up with that
4: so lamarck He was a soldier, biologist, genetic supremacist from the 1700s, and he believed in strict uniformitarianism, that everyone should be the same. And he also believed that social traits were inherited and that these traits would validate a social elite, like a ruling class, because they Mm. would be inherently better than the masses.
1: Oh, so like a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) just like anybody in the ruling class that's always what that's what noble blood i mean they just call it a different thing same story different name it's
2: it's kind of interesting i haven't heard it described like that so he's often in kind of biology classes given as this like alternative to darwin and so darwin thought everything was genetically mediated so you just inherit it from your parents. Lamarck's example, he thought that the way giraffes have evolved this long neck was you had this creature that extended its neck to reach to the leaves on the tree. And then that creature's children had a longer neck because their parent had extended their neck. And so actually the USSR embraced Lamarckian stuff versus Darwin, because there is this idea that like, by changing your behavior and what you did, you could change the next generation that like known was just like fated to be bad by their genes. And supposedly, I don't know if this is kind of like capitalist propaganda or something, but their science system really embraced those ideas. And they did all these experiments trying to make like cold resistant wheat based on these Lamarckian principles, because those were more like politically accepted Even though the like real scientists at that point were like, no, for the most part, it seems like Darwin was right and was wrong.
4: (laughs) Did he happen to mention anything about like conditioning the masses to be more subservient?
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it wasn't part of it. was his politics.
0: All right. We're talking about his science. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you could see something where it's like, yeah, maybe if you get them to be more subservient, then the next generation will be even more subservient and so on and so forth. Well, that was interesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So this tells us that either this council from Abe, are kind of like authoritarians or maybe they just don't leave like darwin that much so hero uh, they also drop this one line real quick that he has no apparent signs of aging
3: oh.
1: like just hero or
4: uh, they specifically name code 016 mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: So you guys ready to get into it? Yeah. All right. Because we're going to go from this scene to a locker room.
0: A locker room that, let's get your take on it, Brian, is or isn't fan service.
4: <laughs> well, let's get there. Well, let's just take it slow. All right. So we start out with the guys and Zoro Mae is still a jerk. He doesn't believe that Hero really piloted because he's just so fucking lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Goro is still the best bro. He's really encouraging and giving everyone the pep talk my impression is he's just a, a solid dude, a natural leader. Mitsuro uh, still does not give any fucks about anything happening. And Futoshi is like hiding food or taking food from a hidden place or something.
0: <laughs> Wonderful.
4: So, uh, women's lock and room locker room. We open up with a shot of uh, Miku's ass trying to get some really, really tight underwear on mm-hmm. seems to be made out of rubber or something. Very comfy. <laughs> so it, it really <laughs> breathes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then they they paint on the suit, or like the suit is not even. They don't put it on. They just stand there, and it like materializes.
4: It's like a nano suit or something. Like
1: yeah,
2: yeah. it's like the technology version of uh, is the Take technology version of the Sailor Moon like swirl and the, uh, the- yeah. Yeah. yeah the transformation yeah. scene.
0: Uh, so in my head, uh, these are one use pilot suits <laughs> and they throw them away every time. Yeah. So it's very ecologically destructive.
4: <laughs> in answer to Ben's question, uh, I would say both. Like I'd say this is definitely a fan service scene, but there might be a reason. But uh, we, maybe we don't know yet. But at any uh-huh. rate, super sexualized, right? Part of the idea of fan service, it's something that if you took it away, it wouldn't affect the story or character development at all. Okay. It's just for the fans, for titillation,
0: for the people who buy the Blu-rays and the statues. <laughs> yeah,
4: and uh, as we established, like maybe this isn't really how girls are in a locker room.
1: Yeah, no, They're, they just change clothes. It's yeah. super boring.
4: But really? not to yeah. shame anyone out there Sorry. who maybe does. <laughs> Like, identify with Miku. There's probably people out there that are just loose with the boundaries.
1: I'm just saying, no one's ever been like, let's tickle each other. (laughs) Like, no one... Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Now it's sad. (laughs) I
3: feel like
1: it was maybe something I missed out on in high school. No, I would have hated it.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, it seems a lot of boundary Mm. issues in this group.
1: Well, but they're also, like, living together. And, like, it seems like they're... Like they have also no other social contact.
0: I guess that's true. If you spend all your time with, there's what? Eight, nine of them. So 10 of them total. And then Naomi goes and then zero two. So 10 still. So if you know nine other people, you're going to be close enough with a couple of them, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's fair.
4: At any rate, we see the continuation of getting their suits sprayed on or scanned on. Uh, What struck me was this weird artificial spine that gets snapped into place it forces them to have this like arched back posture and these heels that seem like they would serve no purpose heels do
0: arch your back heels arch your back too that's true
3: yeah
4: so i could list like a dozen anime where there's like super sexualized pilot suits but they just they just are right and it feels like they're going through great lengths to show us like hey Notice this. Yeah. We are sexualizing these people.
3: Yeah.
1: And then the dudes are just like in a black flight suit. Like, come on, nothing?
2: They're, I mean, nothing. I guess their roles are very different once they get into the uh, suits. That kind of... Surprised me. I don't know. Yeah.
4: I saw that look of surprise on your face (laughs) I was like, I didn't need to watch my screen during the watch party. I was watching yours
2: (laughs) I was like, this is where we're going
4: (laughs) So I just want to compare the visuals that we're getting with the audio because they're talking the girls are talking about connecting for the first time Mm -hmm. and they're all sharing their different experiences and it sounds a lot like sex Mm-hmm. they're talking about becoming one with another and they they receive it differently one didn't really like the feeling of being stirred up from the inside but ichigo had a different feeling about it she said it put me at ease like that feeling of becoming one with another was nice and kokoro didn't understand that and she attributed it was like well it must be because of the low number pilots who are like more elite and then she kind of looks off and it's like that sounds amazing she did not feel amazing when she connected. That's what that tells yeah. us, right? Mm. She connected. Didn't feel amazing.
0: Connects just fine. Herm Futoshi, no problems on the battlefield.
4: So it's kind of weird. It's kind of like they're people talking about sex and they don't know what sex is. Mm. Just a little
3: yeah.
4: a- aesthetic note. The way that the pilot suits, like not the skin tight aspect of it, but the other costuming, it looks a lot like Shinto wedding garments.
0: Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. It's
4: Uh, wild. Specifically the the sort of hood shape thing.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's kind of the the final thing that we get here in the locker room scene is uh, Miku is kind of making a big deal out of the whole darling thing with zero two. And Mm. It seems like maybe some kind of passive aggressive thing. Ichigo slams her door on her way out in a very aggressive way that gets everyone's attention. Mm. But so we're going from that to the drill. So they've already had their welcome ceremony and connected. And now we're going to get another sort of very intimate look uh, of this connection process. And now it's going to be really super sexual. Ben, what did you, what did you make about this, uh, make out of this connection scene?
2: Yeah, I um, like I was saying. I thought this was going to be when we had the first episode, and he didn't remember what had happened inside the Mac. I thought that that was going to be kind of a continued theme that we were going to cut away as soon as people were inside the Mac, and maybe that would be one of the big reveals mm-hmm. later on in the season. But it is one of the big reveals here. You know, it seems like uh, yeah, the the women bend over they are kind of connecting more directly with uh the mech it seems and the men are kind of piloting the mech through the women
4: yeah these grips they come off of uh the women's asses and hips basically (sighs) (laughs) can we say about this uh I, i mean i know for a fact like this this pissed off a lot of folks Like, specifically, like, people who are coming from the A1 Studios fan sides. So is this just
0: fan service? I think this is confrontation. Like, yeah, you can enjoy it like fan service, kind of unironically, but I think it is uh, meant to call attention to what is happening, like you said. Like, it's uncomfortable. It seems not necessary at all, especially the heels, right? And the only thing that's necessary is we see, and we put a real emphasis on it, Delphinium uh, coming up when it steps out for the first time, we see those same heels. Mm -hmm. And we get a really awesome uh, shot where we focus on connecting, and then the face visualizes on the Franks. And this is a theme that I think we're going to come up with again and again, is that the mech is the pilot, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about this in Gundam, like there's this separation especially in robot anime of like the violence that's happening on screen, that it can happen to a monster, that it can happen to a robot. But like, this is a, uh, a commentary to like, bring us back to baseline and be like, no, no, no. The robot is the pilot. They are committing the violence and the violence is also being committed against them. It's like holding a mirror up to the mech anime uh,
4: genre. Hmm. Okay, so has everyone seen Pacific Rim? I,
2: I have not. Yeah. yeah.
4: But you can spoil it, I don't. My fault at this point. There, there, there's two pilots that have to mentally join in order to pilot this giant robot to fight monsters. And that's the first thing I thought of with this. I was like, oh, like two people have to use their brains in some sci-fi way to be able to pilot these giant robots. And I remember watching Pacific Rim and thinking about the scene when Riley was going to do this mental connection with this really cute girl. who's going to be his love interest. And I was like, oh my God, their minds are going to be one. And like, she'll know about like him staring at her ass and having all these thoughts about, you know, any fantasies that he may have had for like his entire life. (laughs) Like she'll know like the memory of like his first time he ever got a boner and was embarrassed or whatever. You know, like that's a lot of like super intimate shit. Yeah. And that—that right. that is what is happening here too. Like they are in each other's heads, and now <laughs> it's much more provocative than the way it was in Pacific Rim because it's—it's it's a sexual position. Mm-hmm. These suits are so thin or tight or both that you can literally see the indent of their belly button, and mm-hmm. the women's asses are raised up. <laughs> It seems like this is designed to stir up sexual
2: feelings. Yeah, but but that the characters are so kind of sheltered that they don't mm-hmm. understand that, right? It's it's that is like correct. it's this thing that is being kind of imposed on them to like harness that or something like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Much like the audience that these shows are hmm. often marketed at, right? Yeah. Like they see these things and they get these feelings, but they don't understand the context of them yet. Mm. Yeah.
4: Mm. So this will be the the last uh, case that I make that this is that we're going beyond fan service here is that when Hero and Zero Two piloted together, uh, Zero Two kissed him. They weren't. Mm in these, like, cockpit seats. They weren't connected with these weird grips or anything. She just grabbed him, pulled him close, and kissed him,
2: and everything lit up. The machine came alive.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: if I remember the imagery, right, it's a much more, like, missionary, right? It's like they're both facing each other or whatever. It was, like, a mm-hmm. little bit sexual, but in a different way. Like, I thought that's how these things worked, mm-hmm. was going to be, like, they're facing each other. Yeah. And then we get to this episode and it's like, yeah. oh.
1: <laughs> well, it's like sexualized, but without being intimate mm-hmm. because like what the guys are looking, I mean, they are looking at her ass, but they're also looking at like a screen readout or something. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like when they connect, it's like whoop. And then there's like stats and yeah. yeah, not sexual stuff on the screen. So it's like harnessing the power of sexuality to do violence instead of to like bring two people together instead. That's
4: interesting. Oh, well, at least
0: gender roles, not sexuality necessarily, but these things are intrinsically linked, right? Gender roles are weaponized in culture Mm. to get young men to join the army, to become police officers, to
2: commit violence. To to sell figurines and whatever, you know, like the commercialization (laughs) of it where you are selling the sexuality, but not providing the intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, So just a
4: couple more observations and we can move on. But um, just one of the things that we've already established is that Dr. Frank's made all this stuff. And this is a guy who had no reservations about just grabbing Nana's ass and squeezing it in front of her coworkers. And now this is the guy who designed the suits they're wearing that are super sexualized. This is the guy who designed these cockpits that are super provocative.
1: And like the robots. I mean, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It did make me laugh. I'm like, okay. So they had this money and they're like, let's design lots of different
3: shapes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then also let's put them in high heels or just with like pegs. uh, Robots walking on two legs is like super hard to do. You wouldn't put them in high heels. There's like no reason. (laughs) And give them boobs and they gave them boobs. Like some of them have boobs. And I was just like, this is, this is good. Oh,
4: my God. I'm so glad our robot expert is here. <laughs> yeah. So this is a little bit of a spoiler, because uh, we don't know. We haven't been shown the rest of the world yet. But um, there are other plantations with other squads and other robots. And I can tell you that all the other squads pilot uniform robots that look mm-hmm. much more practical in terms of a bipedal robot.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it is weird to have five different prototypes, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
4: okay so just the last little bit of character thing that we get here is that all the pistol stamen pairs uh have different types of relationships so like when zorome connects with uh miku uh, she makes this like sort of sexual squeal and he's like been out of shape about that and criticizing her uh ikuno is catching her breath and mitsuru has nothing to say. He's not even looking at her. Goro is concerned. He's like checking in on Ichigo and she says she's okay. And uh, Futoshi is seeking approval (laughs) from Kokoro. And it's like, wow, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. So just the other funny thing about that. So the women are, they're being stimulated by this connection process but there's nothing physical happening it's inside their heads or their emotions or something. Spines, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, diegetically,
0: yes, there's no physical connection. Yeah.
1: Well, they have something connected to their spine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes.
1: Right. Like, you could send something through the nerve clusters in your spine to those nerve clusters, like connect to every other nerve cluster. I hadn't
0: even thought about that, that the suits could be interacting with their nervous system to actually simulate what isn't technically happening. It does seem
1: like it's like really connected. Like when it snaps in, it's like, Mm yes, I don't know. I thought it was like connecting in turn, like, you know, like sending wires into the, I don't know. Well, I
4: will say that, Uh, the women feel physically what's happening externally with the robots, but the way, the way I was reading this was that the intimacy of this connection was like being experienced like sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's this rig that we mentioned. Maybe it's just because they're the receivers, but they're the ones that are really experiencing that. And it does not seem like the guys are, the guys do not seem like they are physically affected at all,
3: Hmm.
4: which I don't know what that says. Hmm.
0: Well, I mean, there is pressure on a lot of young men not to. You can feel emotions and you can feel like what you feel, but don't show it. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone know that you're actually feeling that thing because then Zorame will make fun of you for it, you know? And we see like in this, you know, Zorame, mm-hmm. we see him, he's going to be like this total asshole to hero, <laughs> kick a ball at him. And like, he's the one who is really embarrassed by a, a sound that Miku makes. Like. Mm insane he's like super sensitive about what's happening same with futoshi right whereas like goro has a much healthier connection that he's making he's very like aware of his partner and so we're seeing like different ways that you could go about or different uh common experiences i guess with people's first times or like experimenting with intimacy
2: just before we moved too far from the uh spine thing one thing it's making me think of and especially given Kind of the things we discussed with uh Evangelion and Kabbalah and stuff like that. And we know that they take these mm-hmm. kind of spiritual influences is there's this concept I think it's called like kundalini. I was just looking oh, yeah. this up on my phone, but it's like this coiled snake and it's this stuff with your spinal cord and and these different kind of chakras along your spinal cord um in Hinduism and in you know Tantric stuff which is you know This very sexual spiritual Practice so I wonder If if you know they did research Into that and there's a bunch of kind of Imagery Mm. and and stuff Related to that that they put into this show
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Mm. Um, So Hero is not a part Of this Uh, he's still in a simulator It's funny to me that the Simulator it's a strange shape It looks like a baby And it runs like a baby and Inside the cockpit Hero has this like disembodied ass that he has these handle grips on. And it's like, what is Frank's doing? It didn't need to be there. Like he just had to have the grips for a simulator, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean There's a lot of things that don't need to be there. The robots have boobs. I mean, we already yeah. talked about but, that.
2: But there's something that. you need something in the the men's men like the men's mental state and their connection is important to this, right?
0: Yeah. Sure. So,
2: in order
4: for this piloting thing to happen like people need to kind of get aroused somehow
3: mm-hmm.
4: that's what it seems like to me
3: maybe okay
4: yeah well that's a weird concept but let's go with that all right so uh, i think we're done with this can we get to the mock battle or do we? well i mean just it? we can blast through like so zorome <laughs> is still a jerk uh he wants mm-hmm. to posture when they during the drill and he's too rough um, he does not give a shit about Miku's comfort level. Uh, when they fall, Ichigo goes to pick up Miku and Miku resents getting Ichigo's help.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Ichigo can't resist lecturing Miku. Then we get back mm-hmm. into the co- uh, the hangar after mm-hmm. the drill's over. Zero Two's walking by. Ichigo wants to confront her. Zero Two's just like, well, who are you to my darling? And gives her this lick <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and Ichigo has a, uh, a point in that scene. Uh, you're going to leave one day, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it seems very acute to her because her feelings are affecting what she's saying right now, right? Mm-hmm. She has outside feelings from this conversation. But, like, that is a concern that people have to start coming to terms with when they are. I mean, some people have to come to terms with that when they're way too young to really be ready for it you know we hope Mm -hmm. everyone has like security in their life until they're like at least a preteen but Mm -hmm. holy crap we do have to come we do have to think about that everything leaves someday like nothing is permanent Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i felt like she was just like out of sync with here because Ichigo's is concerned that zero two is gonna leave Mm -hmm. but she's also not thinking about like but what if this is his true partner that he can like really sync with and like fly and like i don't know it's like when you're Friend starts dating somebody new, and you're like, oh, they could hurt you. Well, yeah, but also they might be really cool yeah. and good for me. I don't know. Yeah. I feel I like it's it.
2: almost like this thing mm-hmm. of like, well, you're going to have to leave. So you guys can't get like married and be together forever. So, like, what are you doing? You're just mm-hmm. going to like make this guy fall in love with you and then break his heart. Whereas, like, we, we potentially could be together. Right. Right.
1: But really, like, isn't anybody that Hero gets partnered with going to be from outside their squad at this point?
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Or if, like, Ichigo and Hiro are a great match, then, like, that leaves another person that's... Like, some other outside person is going to have to come in, right? Because you have nine people. Like, I yeah. don't know.
0: Um, it, it's almost like, you know, this was meant to happen. Like, Ichigo is not considering the convenience of the setup.
4: So do we all get a sense that Ichigo... Maybe has some confusing feelings for Hero at this point. So yeah. it might yeah. be obscuring her judgment. Okay. So we get to guys gossiping again. And uh, uh, it felt to me like this sort of alpha male bucking. You know how like young stags like or goats want to like bash each other in the forehead for like supremacy and <laughs> all that mating crap. That's what this shit feels like to me. I mean, Zora just a jerk anyway, but... He does this like sort mm-hmm. of masturbation shame, like while they were doing the drill, you were playing with yourself in a training unit. And then it turns into a fight. Goro, best bro, pulls May off. Uh, that sounded bad. Getting back to yes. <laughs> uh, the, the meeting room again. They want to do a mock battle. Uh, Ichigo feels really strong about giving Hiro a chance. Uh, Mitsuru is starting to speak up and sort of reveal himself as a jerk. He's sort of like creating tension between ichigo and goro he says you already have a partner and yet you want to ride with someone else yeah and it's just kind of like a shitty thing to say and then ichigo looks over at goro this happens real quick like with this little bit of insecurity and goro gives her this like really nice like reassuring smile and like man what a fucking awesome guy
1: i know it totally sucks because it's like I don't know. We've all known people that have like an amazing partner and were really great together, but they couldn't see what they had because they were in love with somebody else. I don't yeah. know. I yeah. was thinking that. Yeah. I was like, mm, he's
2: so great. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll be fine. Oh you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just, he you know, they're not a good, they they're will. not a good match.
1: That's true. He'll find somebody. Uh, no. He
0: has his own feelings. We'll explore that. Oh, but I think we're, um, I think we have some, sh- some visual shorthand for the, uh, in their costumes for the pilots uh, that I didn't notice until this episode, Goro and Ikuno are the only two to wear glasses and they're very, they're reserved and they're very aware of like other people's feelings Mm. and they're Mm. slow to uh, react to other people's feelings because they, they both seem like they don't want to react the wrong way. Mm. You know, Goro's (laughs) like, Oh, well, I don't really know what's going on, but uh, that's my best friend, and that's like my partner for the Frank stuff. So I could get Ben out of shape about it, or I can just like, he's very cerebral. Yeah. Mm.
4: So the glasses could be code that those two are seeing things more clearly. Ooh,
0: they have a unique lens from the. Hey. <laughs>
4: So it's not Nana who, like, grants the request. It's, like, Zero Two, sort of assuming, like, authority or ownership over Hero. It's so weird and goofy. And again, like, she just can't help, like, invading uh, Ichigo's personal space. And Ichigo immediately covers up her cheek to protect herself from getting licked again. And then Goro's in the background, like, oh, this shit's going... This is happening again. Like, I'm <laughs> supposed to do something. But, you know, Zero Two just, like she leaves a lot of rooms in this episode. It's just every scene ends with her leaving a room. Uh, so now we're going to get to the mock battle and like, Oh, oh.
1: well, before I we move, I, one thing I noticed in when they were like having the discussion is that like everybody vo- well, everybody involved voiced an opinion except hero <sighs> zero two was like, I'll pilot with you. And then they were like, well, sh- you know, each go volunteered. I want to do it, Goro, like, whatever. And then Nana was like, okay, we're agreed. And Ichigo was like, yeah, but Hiro never said anything. Like, I don't even, I don't know what he felt, but he never really, like, agreed to that plan. Yeah. I mean, he Uh, got in the mech, so, but still. I thought that was interesting. Yeah,
0: Ben keeps noticing, like, or we like to bring it up, the... Like, I could just be here, right? Like, this passive participant uh, kind of fantasy that's
2: sold to Yeah, a woman. and Yeah, and, and here, in this case, it's, like, the, the women competing over him, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, that was, like, kind of, like, even, I mean, to, it's almost, like, you know, it's all of these things, like, Twilight, like, often here, I think, we have the, you know, it's kind of, like, more the female with the two dudes, but, you know, that was kind of Evangelion- And actually sort of FLCL too, right? You had Mamimi and you had um, Haruko. Haruko.
0: Haruko and what's her name? Oh, right.
2: Um, Yeah, Inomori.
0: My favorite, she has purple hair. Sorry, I love purple hair. Oh, and glasses, just like Ikuno. Oh, but hers are fake. Do you think Ikuno's glasses are fake?
4: Well, she she is covering something up, but we can get to that later. Wow. Yeah, so we start off with tension, Zorome, he just wants a rematch. But uh, Miku sort of gets into that spirit of Zorome. She has this passive-aggressive comment. She calls Ichigo great leader, and Ichigo is just like, this is just for hero. All right, so uh, this is a scene that maybe I read too much into. It's weird to me that uh, they're fighting with these batons, and they, like, sort of go erect when they are ready to fight.
0: What's weird to me is that they're, you know, all the Franks so far are completely different. They have completely different weapon systems. They're working off completely different prototypes, but they have this standardized baton.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: but it's just for the mock mm-hmm. battle. Like these things never get used again. Mm-hmm.
0: <gasps> Do you think they're one use batons just like the <laughs> the pilot suits?
4: <laughs> so like after they it's go so flaccid, not. they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get those up again. They don't work ever no. again. <laughs> so they get started, and Hero's really excited, but then things go bad really quick. Again, maybe I'm reading too much into this. It sort of feels like this uh, erectile performance anxiety thing. No,
2: I, I think it's pretty and,
4: explicit. I don't think you're reading yeah, too okay, much okay. into it. <laughs> <laughs> the, yes. the dialogue, Absolutely. man, it's so cringy, dude. Just like all the insecurity and doubt and stuff that's coming out, like Ichigo's like, is it my fault?
3: Is it my fault?
4: I don't think so.
3: Is there something Zero Two did that I'm not?
4: I don't know. And then she starts mm-hmm. comparing herself to Zero Two. Oh my God, it's horrible.
0: And we get a great juxtaposition, right? Because it happens to Ichigo and Hiro <clears throat> at first. And then uh, as they're trying to sort it out, that's when Zorame is like, okay, whatever. We're not We're not waiting for you anymore. And then it happens to Zorame and Miku, yeah. right? And they have this more confrontational, less understanding like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? It's your fault. Don't be this way. Well, and,
2: and there it's that he, he's too cocky and he says something that makes her jealous. And so she's not yeah. into it. So, so we can see it, it can work both ways, right? That if one partner gets out of sync.
0: Both people have to be into it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah Zorome rejects Miku and embarrasses her in front of everyone by suggesting that he would pilot with Ichigo as well. So it's sort of like this betrayal of trust and they lose their connection. But three minutes pass between these scenes. And again, this might be me reading too much into this, but it's dark and quiet inside the cockpit. And Ichigo is trying to sort it out. Like, well, what what did you and Zero Two do? And man, I was looking at the, these frames and it's like, God, this reminds me of like the first time I was in another girl's bedroom alone. Mm-hmm. we didn't do anything we were just sitting on the bed and talking but man it was intimate and like i remember feeling tense and nervous and that's just this, this vibe i got does anybody remember their first time in that kind of a situation
0: uh i had something a little older so i was uh, uh i dated an ex-girlfriend of my best friend at the time and i asked him i like explicitly asked him i was like what did you guys do Because I wanted to know, like, I didn't want to do anything wrong. And I was like, oh, Mm. well, now to me, I was like, I don't think I'd ever ask my friend that, like, uh, but like at the time, like, I didn't want to walk into anything that I wasn't prepared Mm. for. So like my, probably my better judgment got shut off. And I was like, oh, I have this open book. Let me ask you these things. Like, I never considered how those questions might make him feel.
2: Mm. I was just remembering my um, first kiss was like a spin the bottle kind of a situation. And so I feel like that's a kind of different, I'm trying to think of like the first time where it's just kind of like two people intimate. Well, I mean, th- that still works. I mean, because it's, it's yeah. a first
4: time experience. Like, was it just an exciting experience or was it like a lot of different things all at once?
2: Mm, I, I think, I mean, well, so maybe actually that's a little bit similar to this in that you're doing it in front of this like crap people <laughs> and there's like maybe that extra pressure, I mean, yeah, wasn't trying to get mm-hmm. it up or something, but still uh, there's kind of like a level of embarrassment that maybe I couldn't fully engage or enjoy that kiss in a way that I would have been able to otherwise.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, how about you, Melissa?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I was probably a lot like Ichigo, just like very in my head about everything, like not mm. really in the moment of it, but more just like, oh my God, this is happening. Am I doing it right? Am I should I not? <laughs> it? Like you know, like analyzing it mm-hmm. as opposed to just being more aware of the moment or like in like being very present. Yeah.
4: Well, this scene was just very very uncomfortable for me to watch uh, for all of these reasons. I mean being alone for the first time with your crush in a place where you have privacy and you aren't going to be interrupted, man, just the, the headspace issue. It's so overwhelming.
0: It's like seven minutes in heaven at Mm a, a spin the bottle party, right? Yeah, They're like, Hey, go into this closet. And you're like, everybody knows what you're doing (laughs) there. Well, they don't actually, but everyone has an idea. And everyone is, like, watching the door and expecting things, and oh my gosh. Yeah, wait.
4: so that's exactly what's happening here, right? Uh, Ichigo asks for three minutes, and she crawls up on Hiro, and they get into each other's personal space. They get into that critical proximity, and we cut away. And we cut away to Miku and Zoromei, and they're like, it's been three minutes, Okay. So I was just expecting they would just do a little peck on the lips or maybe just one real quick, real kiss. (laughs) But they're (laughs) kissing for three minutes. And it seems like that might be awesome, but it does not turn out awesome. It turns out horrible. Um, Just hats off to this collaboration between Trigger and A1. Man, they really do the intimacy of this. Ichigo, she's getting, she's like working out her headspace stuff and she can't bear to have Hiro looking at her and she covers his eyes and they kiss and it's a real kiss and it should be awesome. This should be such an awesome moment for them. It's not. She asks him, she's like, well, and he says, I don't feel a thing. Her first kiss, man. I don't feel a thing. That sucks. It's yeah. fucking shitty.
2: Well, that that was the end of my first kiss story. Was then uh, this was a uh, Kelsey. If you remember Kelsey,
0: wow.
2: I mean, she was really cute. So I was like proud of this. But I was, I just basically sat there with my mouth open, and then. That- <laughs> You know, the next time we were in school, you know, people were talking and stuff, and it, like, got back to me, and it's like, oh, man, I heard you, like, made out with, like, Kelsey or something, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, she said you were a really bad kisser. (laughs) 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 oh Oh, man i mean i was like well i did just basically just sit there with my mouth open but uh yeah uh
0: my first kiss i didn't turn my head properly and so i almost broke our (gasps) nose oh Oh, no it was wonderful
4: (laughs) i guess i was lucky well no i mean my first kiss was stupid i mean i basically just like stuck my tongue into this girl's mouth like the way you would like mockingly sticking your tongue at somebody. But then like later I dated a, a, a girl who was pretty experienced and she just said, all right, I'm going to show you like how I want to be kissed. And then she kissed me. It's like, okay, do that. And she was pretty good because she knew how to do it. <laughs> and then she, she was very confident and she was the type of person who would speak her needs and would talk about, like, I want to do variations. Like, do this, don't do that. I was like, okay. Maybe physically a good
2: experience, but not emotionally. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like the that Jan and Michael uh, sex tape uh-huh. thing. Well, Jan has this schoolgirl fantasy. It's a pretty common one. I just, I feel uncomfortable wearing the dress. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. A little bit, maybe not that bad. <laughs> A lot
4: of parallels between Frank's and the office.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All
4: right. So uh, we're going to drive the nails into the coffin here. After Ichigo hears Hiro's words, and she st- slowly starts turning away and is starting to feel more and more hurt. And then right at the end, she starts the shakes when you're about to just ball and lose it. But maybe this is a saving grace. Like her breakdown gets interrupted by Zoromei and Miku's impatience. And that's when we get Zoromei's like careless comment and that breaks uh, Zorome and Miku's connection as well. And that's how they end. They end on the ground.
1: Well, no, they end with- Yeah, Zorome. yeah, gets, yeah. Oh Ichigo yes, that's right. Angry. Ich- Ichigo. She gets angry.
4: She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cause Ichigo does feel yes, something
3: in this. that's right. right.
0: And so it turns from excitement to maybe uh stimulation and then from that to embarrassment and then like rage yeah Mm -hmm. she has like no words for the moment but she has something in front of her that she can pour this emotion into and it's really wonderful nana yells at her like hey it's very dangerous to do what you're doing right now Mm -hmm. but like she can't hear that like she's all Mm -hmm. about it and just this like huge flared thrust takedown smashes them into the wall and you're like, oh my God, are they okay? Like that looked really violent. And
2: so is this a place that that the kind of intimacy, sexuality metaphor breaks down or is there? I mean,
4: the only thing I can reveal about this is like, what Ichigo is going through is basically what Zero Two experiences whenever she pilots alone. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but like for the most part, she's running on rage and anger. And a lot of pain.
1: I was thinking, like, maybe the energy that's being harnessed is like an emotional energy, and they couldn't think of any way to make pilots have emotional energy besides a sexual energy. Yeah. So that's like what they're using. But like, um. maybe they can be like, if you are just really happy for a friend, you could pilot of Frank's, but they don't know how to harness that. So they're like, well, we'll do the sexual thing because that is like sort of low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah,
4: that's exactly what you made me think of. Like, what is the easiest thing to provoke in people? And
2: and, and I think if we kind of go back to this being like a thing about how um, like society like like how the system harnesses us, right? I feel like a lot of stuff is yeah. like get the job and make the money so you get the girl or whatever, right? And it's like, mm. well, you could just motivate yourself on like anger, like show them like what you're worth or whatever, right? But that maybe that is a more dangerous thing mm. to kind of like fuel your life. Not that the other one is great either. I mean, maybe if you love as opposed <laughs> to sexuality, then that's like more... More noble.
4: Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much gets us to the end of the episode. Hero wants to apologize and Ichigo's not having it and she just tells him you are terrible.
0: Oh my gosh. And it's a reversal, right? Because uh, O2 had told him earlier, You were great. Yeah. And now Ichigo's mm-hmm. like, You were terrible. Yeah. And like it's it he is <laughs> terrible. He said to her face, I don't feel anything. Yeah, but though.
1: like I mean I don't know about you guys, but I have definitely like professed undying love to someone who was A, not good for me and B, didn't feel that way about me. Mm. And I felt a lot like Ichigo, it's embarrassing. It's rage inducing, it's crushing. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, I probably said some shitty stuff to them at the time (laughs) as well. But like later I realized, okay, like that just wasn't your person. Like you're okay you were a kid i don't know like i i hope ichigo can like come to understand that like she didn't really want to be with hero because hero didn't want to be with her yeah. like where was that gonna she wanted him to love her but he doesn't like mm-hmm. and that's not his fault yeah, i mean really. he could have
2: let her down more softly but she's also just yes. taking it out on him like her feeling of of rejection right mm-hmm. yeah
4: okay so this is our episode and this is like a great example of why i love this series so much because this is what the story is it's just all this weird powerful intense messy crazy emotions and sexual feelings and like i get like the the backlash hate that this show is famous for like if you came here for a mech anime yeah, you're gonna be disappointed. If you came here for a lighthearted slice of life relationship ensemble, you're gonna be disappointed. Uh, This is just this confrontational messy show, man. I love it. I love it for what it is. So I do have a little bit of a, like a post-show treat. Like we don't really, I don't think we have a spoiler section to worry about, but I sent everyone an email uh, with some images.
0: Uh, is it the one titled "Sexy Robots? It is,
4: because <laughs> this is what comes up in this episode. I love just addressing all the points in which this show gets criticized, and <laughs> maybe maybe I just like debating and arguing. I don't know, but one of the things that Frank's got like heavily criticized for was this whole like sexy robot thing, and you know, like the big three, uh, we're all kind of in agreement, like oh my gosh, Darling And the Franks is such a stupid waste of time. You know, it's got this, it's like robots with boobs. And like the way they framed it, it was like, this was like the first and only anime that had like, like sexualized robots. And I'm like, uh, where have you guys been? So if you want to go all the way back, it's not even Japanese. It's what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, Fritz Lang
2: mm-hmm.
4: that did the movie Metropolis.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And I don't remember thinking anything about uh, the design of this character, but as an adult looking at the Metropolis robot, it's a sexy robot. Like she's got really good looking curves and she's got, maybe this is just my little fetish thing, but the collarbone and the neck muscles, the way that stuff comes together, uh, it's attractive. Uh, And then we go down the timeline and we get to, you may not know who this little girl is, but this is Astro Boy's little sister. Uh, Urachan mm. probably just inappropriate, but she's just there yeah, in the show. Right. Like, she shows her panties every single episode, mm. and she's either getting in trouble or causing trouble. Uh, and then there's <laughs> this is really weird one Space Family Carl Vinson. <laughs> this was like kind of the, the first example I could find of like a sexy anime robot character, but she's got these like weird like cat ears.
0: Yeah, I can't even tell she's supposed
4: to be Yeah, a she, she's a robot. Oh, no, yeah,
1: I thought that was just a person. Yeah.
4: And then we get to, like, the real sort of precursor to this, like, Frank's design. The anime is called uh, Godanar, uh, and the mech in the picture with the really weird, super huge breasts is uh, Volspina. And I got to tell you, I don't think those breasts are made of metal, because when this mech fights, these things are swinging all over the place.
0: That doesn't make any sense. It's
1: like not logistically helpful. Oh my gosh. Yeah,
4: and then moving further along the timeline, we have this famous artist, Hajime Sorayama, who did this very popular cover for Heavy Metal Magazine and went on to do like a lot of these like sexy robot women in these like perfume ads, like high fashion clothing ads you'd see at a shopping mall or something. Uh, It was just like a Mm -hmm. super, super eighties design. And I don't know where this hits on the timeline, but then we go back to the West and we have uh, Jocasta, who was like supposed to be the bride of Ultron. This was a character that was designed by George Perez. And it's basically just a silver naked woman with some lines drawn on her.
0: I didn't know Jocasta had a uh, human consciousness inside of her.
4: Yeah, it was a copy of Janet Pym's, but it didn't exactly (laughs) come out exactly as Janet Pym. Uh, then we move further up, and this is right up on the heels of Darling in the Franks Now, uh, I don't know if anyone here is familiar with the Persona series, but there's this Aegis character. She's a weapon, but she just happens to be a very sexy weapon. Oh, and I'm so sorry, I skipped, I skipped over the 70s completely. Wow,
0: <laughs> not a lot of people <laughs> remember the 70s.
4: Yeah, so like probably the most famous super robot uh, series. Mazinger um, Z had a uh, series of, like, female counterparts that fought giant robot monsters, every one of them able to shoot booby missiles.
0: Yeah. In their defense, at least the boobs are a function in combat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not saying we should weaponize breasts, but I'm saying at least there's a point to them being on the robot. I mean, yeah. that
4: could be the natural evolution from Astro boy because Astro boy and his little sister, they had like machine gun barrels that come out of their ass cheeks.
0: I'm sorry. What? Yeah.
4: I'm not sure what the no. deal is
0: with that. You're really burying the lead on. Astro boy. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay. So any closing thoughts for the episode? As always, we like to give the floor to our guests if you had anything you wanted to get off your mind.
1: No, I think, well, the only thought, like the thought I kind of had when I was like thinking about the episode as a whole is that, you know, again, like it felt very exploitative because like, you know, like the couples involved don't really know a lot about their world. Mm -hmm. I think you can tell that just even, even this far in, like they seem pretty in the dark about a lot of things and then this thing that's supposed to be really special and intimate is like sort of being made into a weapon, which feels weird.
0: Yeah. Almost forced upon them. It's almost as if this, at this age, they can't properly give consent.
1: Yeah. And they call them parasites too, which is like, not a, like there's Nana and Papa and kissing and all of these intimate terms for things, except for them. And they're called parasites and they're numbered. Like that seems very impersonal and like, You're just a weapon to us. You're just like a means to an end, I don't know. Yeah. Ready to learn more about this world and what the heck is going on.
4: So something I've been playing with recently um, is this sort of like thought experiment. Like I think we, we were probably all on the same page. Like these are young people who are being exploited in different ways, right? Sure. So I think we all just know intuitively like why that's bad. But if we had to say it out loud, like why is that bad?
1: It violates their humanity.
0: I would agree with that statement.
4: So I found that sometimes there's like young people that might feel something, but they don't have the vocabulary to like express it verbally or even form the internal narrative. And sometimes something like this can be helpful if there just happens to be some young person out there who might feel exploited in some way, but doesn't know how to voice it.
0: Yeah. We hope you're listening to our podcast. My final thought is that I'm now going to imagine any two pilot system in this format now. So like Pacific Rim in my memory is now the two of them having to take up these positions and getting mad at each other by like, no, you have to do that one. No, I don't want to do that one.
4: Oh, man. <laughs> there is Pacific Rim porn, by the way.
3: So. <laughs> oh, my God. There's
4: porn yeah.
2: Pacific Rim yeah. job. Is that? so you've seen it
4: (laughs) Uh, pen pen darling (laughs) thanks everybody